pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day and for your beautiful word, the special manna from heaven, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for filling us up to overflowing with your word today. Help it to take root and bear fruit in our lives. Help us to be helped, healed, empowered. Know that we're loved and to be prospered by you, Lord, in Jesus' name, and help us to help others to do the same. If you would turn in your Bible to 1 Samuel, way back in the old covenant, 1 Samuel chapter 15, and uh, I'm going to read some to you, and then we're going to talk about it a little bit. We're going to read about Samuel, who was who is one of the ones that I really look forward to meeting. To me, he was the greatest prophet, although others may disagree, but I have my reasons for really loving Samuel. He was special. And we're going to talk about Saul. 1 Samuel chapter 15, starting at the first verse. And Samuel said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people Israel. Now therefore listen to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I have noted that Amalek did to Israel, or what he did to Israel, in opposing them on the way when they came up out of Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction all that they have. Do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. So Saul summoned the people and numbered them in Telium, 200,000 men on foot and 10,000 men of Judah, And Saul came to the city of Amalek and lay in wait in the valley. Then Saul said to the Kenites, Go, depart, go down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the people of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. And Saul defeated the Amalekites from Havilah as far as Shur, which is east of Egypt. And he took Agag the king of the Amalekites, alive and devoted to destruction all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fatted calves and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. All that was despised and worthless they devoted to destruction. Now listen. What did God tell Samuel to do? What did Samuel tell Saul to do? Forgive me. Kill everything. everything, Everybody. Mm -hmm. Spare no one, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You're going to like this message, George, based on the scriptures you were sharing today. And And he went down... And he, he didn't have any trouble, did he? God was with him. But he didn't kill them all, did he? He left the king alive, the best of the sheep, and so forth and so on. 
Verse 10. The word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I have made Saul king. For he has turned back from following me. And has not performed my commandments. And Samuel was angry. And he cried to the Lord all night. And Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning. And it was told Samuel. Saul came to Carmel. And behold, he set up a monument for himself and turned and passed on and went down to Gilgal. Monument for himself. And Samuel came to Saul and Saul said to him, Blessed be you to the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen that I hear? Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites. For the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. And the rest we have devoted to destruction. Then Samuel said to Saul, Stop! I will tell you what the Lord said to me this night. And he said to him, Speak! And Samuel said, Though you are little in your own eyes, are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go, devote the destruction to destruction, the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they're consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. I have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and I have devoted the Amalekites to destruction. But the people took of the spoil, the sheep and oxen, and best of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Has the Lord... Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination and presumption is an iniquity and idolatry. Because you've rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may bow before the Lord. And Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. As Samuel turned to go away, Saul seized the skirt of his robe and it tore. And Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you this day and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. And also the glory of Israel will not lie or have regret, for he is not a man that he should have regret. Praise God. Thank you, Lord, for your word. This is a sad, sad story right here. 
Saul was the king that Samuel had anointed and he was he was he had become a mighty warrior and the problem was here that he ranked himself higher than God the best example of God being a God of order is I guess in the natural our you know military in the military there are ranks and just like with the kingdom of God the anointing flows down just like he describes it in Psalm 133 from the top in other words, God's not going to bypass the pastor's house to go tell one of the parishioners the vision for that church. God's not going to bypass the CEO of a company to go tell the guy in the mailroom how to run the company. It just doesn't work out that way. In the military, if, if the commander had to explain every order to every private who thought... That wasn't a good idea. When it came time for battle, they would be in big trouble. The commander is privy to information that that private doesn't have. They don't have time for people to be making up their minds what is best, like Saul did. He he went and he thought he did what the Lord said to a degree, but then he started to reason in himself. Man, there's no reason to sacrifice all this stuff, the good stuff. Get rid of the bad stuff and the bad people, but all the people want to keep the good livestock and what's wrong with letting them? In the natural, that's a perfectly reasonable solution. The problem was that wasn't what he was commanded to do. I want to look at chapter 16, the first verse. And this is what God told to the prophet. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul? Since I have rejected him from being king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and go. Fill your horn with oil and go. Now listen, Saul had been, or Samuel, forgive me, the prophet, he, he was grieving over this. Because he's the one that God had sent to anoint Saul when he was out looking for his, his donkey. Yeah. He was a young boy, but he was... Big in stature and good looking and, you know, the fittest and the strongest of the kingdom. And he, I guess Samuel thought this was a good choice. And he had watched this boy who, if you remember, saw what he, uh, he was hiding at his own inauguration. Remember, he was very shy. He didn't, you know, he was just, 
had to come into this and grow into this. And he did. He became a warrior king. And he was, he was a good warrior. So, I'm sure it was hard on the prophet Samuel, who had groomed this young king into what he had become. And I know he was sad because it says that he was. He was grieving over it. But you notice God wasn't looking back. His plan B was going to be greater than his plan A. He was telling Samuel, get over it. Stop your sulking. Stop your pouting. Look forward. Fill your horn with oil. That's representative of the Holy Spirit. That's a... Sounds like an insignificant detail. Fill your horn with oil and go. But that's probably the most important part of his going. Because without the Holy Spirit... The going is very hard. Amen. Amen. So he's telling him, fill your horn with oil. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and move forward to anoint a new king, a better king, that I will show you. Just like Samuel, a lot of people get stuck in the past And what might have been. And if they're not careful. That attitude. Will cause them to miss out on what God is doing now. Amen. But listen. God always has. Another way to accomplish his goals. And his plans and his purpose. So mourning over personal failures or the failures of other people are going to hinder our todays and our tomorrows. Amen? You remember Lot's wife? (laughs) She looked back. We know that Jesus talks about looking back. It's never in a positive light. There is no future in the past. And so many people are hung up on the past. Just go down here to one of the local bars and you'll you'll hear all the exploits of what these people did. Not what they're doing. And it's a very counterproductive. Let someone else tell of your exploits. You get on with the business of what God is doing now. Amen? Amen. Let another praise you and not your own lips. (laughs) But I want to tell you that the reason we fail is because of the ites in our lives. Remember, the old covenant is all in type and shadow of things which are revealed in the new covenant. The promised land of Israel crossing the Jordan River you know, is that's, that's where we are in our promised land now. Not when we get to heaven. Of course, it'll continue. But we have entered in. And now we are to struggle to enter that rest 
which he has provided. That Sunday, that Sabbath day rest, or seventh day which God rested, that was Jesus. And once you have entered into him, you can rest from all your work. Not physical work that he gives us to do. That's a blessing. Don't work, you don't eat. Amen. <laughs> I'll say it like this. If you want work, there's some people that can't. But their heart is good. They would like to. Work is a blessing. Amen. But all of these ites, these Amalekites and all these other tribes that the, that the Israelites came up against on their way from Egypt to the promised land are all the enemies of God. These are now looking at these as examples for our lives. These are spiritual enemies of God's people. After you enter into your salvation, there are still a lot of ites to contend with. And the reason that most Christians are failing in their Christian lives to be and to do all that God has provided for them to be and do, which all the provision and the power to do that is provided in the grace of God and we obtain it by the faith of God. Amen. But the reason so many of us are hindered and keep failing in the endeavors that God has put into our hearts to achieve is because we have not ridded our lives of the ice. Just like you were talking about. A lot of people go back. Hey, I wonder. You know, this won't hurt. Yes, you can do anything now. There's no law to accuse you. Believe it or not. It was nailed to the cross. All of the legal accusations that the enemy had against you. Jesus nailed to the cross. Set it aside. You're free. Free to be and to do all that God has made you to be and to do. There's no more spirit of iniquity compelling you to do those things that you used to do. Now you're free of that. Now it's a choice. You still can, but you can't say the devil made me do it anymore. Not if you've really been born again. It's important. I know that in my own life, every time that I would begin to prosper and succeed in life, whether it was the ites that I came with, because we all have some generational curses that come with us, or the ones that I had opened the door for and invited in myself and who took up residence and developed strongholds in my life. Every time I would, every time I opened a business or started a new endeavor in my life, I would start to succeed because of the gifts and the talents and abilities that God has given me. The anointing was there to succeed. And so almost automatically that would begin to happen for me. But then 
The fact that I hadn't killed or driven away all of the ites in my life, they would come back and cause me to fail. Or I would set myself up for loss. And time and time again, that happened. It was a cycle in my life. An ugly, ugly, shameful cycle because I could do anything. Anything I decided to do, I was good at it. But it wasn't very long before I was throwing it all away. And then going somewhere else or doing something else, starting something else. And again, it would take off and then... Before you know it, I would sabotage God's efforts to bless me. Amen. I'm telling my story to remind you of yours. <laughs> because Jesus is the only one who ever accomplished all that God had him to do in this life perfectly. The other thing is we make a lot of excuses. And excuses are very, very counterproductive. Because when, you, when you're blaming someone or something else for the problems in your life, how can you repent for them? The other thing is presumption. We think we know better than God. Many times, just like Saul. And you see, everybody's familiar with this. Uh, to obey is better than sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice. But, and rebellion is as the sin of divination. Rebellion is like witchcraft. That's why, you know, in the old covenant, they would kill children that were rebellious. If they didn't respond to their parents' teaching and instruction after a time, they were called to stone those children to death. Why? Why isn't the devil talked about at length in the Old Covenant? Same reason. There was nothing they could do about it before Jesus except obey God. If there was a if there was sin and it was there's different levels of sin, you could someone might entertain a thought. It all starts with a thought, okay? But once you think on that and you don't drive it away, you allow it to give birth to sin. You speak it, you do it. Now, the enemy has been given some authority. Instead of the angels that are here to work on your behalf, the fallen angels of Satan have been given some authority. And they'll move in and make a stronghold in your life. And now, this person that was dabbling with the idea of same-sex All of a sudden, they this this fellow's wearing makeup and dresses, and he's he believes this is who God made him to be. 
Now the enemy has taken full control here, you see? That's the difference. In the old covenant, there was no deliverance from that. They had to kill that to, to keep it. It was like a cancer, like an infectious disease that... It was God's mercy, in other words, to kill that person to keep the others from, from getting it. Now with Jesus, there's always hope. There's freedom. There's deliverance through the Word of God, through the Spirit of God. That's why Christians, New Covenant believers, that's why people think of Christians, they think of the Old Covenant, and they say the bad things that God did. And, and, you, they, and you know then, you don't, uh, they don't understand why the blank page between Malachi and Matthew is there. There's a huge difference now. We don't call for the destruction of anyone. God is a God of life and love and peace. And as long as there's breath in that body, there's hope for that person and we will continue to pray for them and love them, but we will never call evil good because that evil is killing God's children. And we know the truth. Whether they think that what the enemy has done to them is who God created them to be or not, we know the truth. So now, am I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? If so, so be it because that's not my goal. The truth comes from love, but I'm never going to apologize for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm never going to try to make it fit into the mold of this creation, this fallen man, when the Bible tells me in First John, that the entire world is under the influence of the devil. Like I said, when the whole herd is running for the edge of the cliff, the guy running the other way might look a little foolish at the time, but he's not. But no matter how many ites we left in our lives, no matter how many excuses we made, no matter how much presumption that we allowed to think that we were smarter than God or knew better than God or that doesn't make sense, so I'll do it my way. Whatever got you to the place where you are or have been, God's not done. There's always hope with God. Whatever you did. The only one that ever did it perfectly was Jesus. And God can make plan B better than plan A. I used to beg my brother before he died. Lester, if you will just let God. He was like so many that had done so much and been so far. But he loved the Lord, but he just didn't think, you know, that it was any use he'd gone so far he was so you know too far I would tell him God can do more with one day than you did in 50 years and thank God for a brother pastor in Amarillo that went to his house for me and met with him over there and went by a few times and prayed with him led him to the Lord and for real and 
He really did love the Lord. I know I'll see him again. But he never got to experience the abundant life that Jesus died to provide us with because he never was discipled in the word. He never was able to drive out all the ites from his life and understand the benefit and the power and the authority that he had to do that. But God still has great plans. And had he lived longer, he would have uh, maybe experienced some of that. But there's a lot more for each one of us. We just need to first do what God told Samuel. Fill your horn with oil. So we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I No telling how many people that are offended by... I, I don't, I, I can't stand to not tell somebody anymore if they're sitting in a dead environment that they need to be in a spirit-filled church. It's not a preference of denomination or anything. Jesus is coming back for a bride, not a harem. All the, the denominational barriers and walls in in the world or testimonies of man's divisiveness. Our failure to agree with God in some way. Don't get me wrong. God loves us in spite of our religion and our denominational things and our Catholicism and all these other silly things. He'll save you no matter where you sit. <laughs> If you really want him to. But we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. To, to be able to experience the power of God in our lives. And in these end times we're going to need it more and more and more. Believe me I pray in the Spirit way more than I pray in my known tongue. Because there's power in it. And it cuts right through. Sometimes I have so much going on. And so many things on my mind. That if I just begin to pray. It may take me an hour to break through, to get out of self and into the spiritual realm. But if I pray, I pray in the spirit, it goes immediately. So I'm telling you, if you're not taking advantage of all that God has for you in that regard, you need to. You need to. So listen, let's just summarize this a little bit. And we'll be done. The first thing I would say is that the lesson here is to drive out all the ites in your life. If you haven't done it, do it. Once you talk to God about something and your heart is true, you don't have to keep bringing it up to him. He doesn't like that, actually. <laughs> you know, it's better to say, Lord, I dropped the ball right there. I'm sorry. Let's go. Let's go. Forward. Always forward. There's so much to do. So much kingdom business. He doesn't want to sit back there with you in your pity puddle. Not that he, he'll sit there and cry with you if you make him. But why do that? Why not just be done with it? Put it away. Cast your cares on the Lord for he cares for you. It was never meant for his sheep to carry packs on their back. Let him carry it. 
But get rid of all these ites. Quit entertaining the ideas of looking back and say, well, I can do a little of this and a little of that. And oh, this doesn't hurt anything. No, it does. <laughs> Whatever goes in these eye and ear gates is doing something. It's either bringing life or death in all its various forms. So remember that. The other thing from this is that we need to be obedient to God. Remember that we are Christian soldiers, for lack of a better term, and that He is the general. He is our commander. He knows a lot more than we do. And there are many, many times when it is not going to look reasonable what God is telling you to do. But he knows a lot better than we do. And sometimes it's just a test to see if you will. <clears throat> if you don't, you get to take the test over, I promise. <laughs> There's no failed tests eventually because you're going to keep taking it. You're going to go around that mountain. Remember the types and shadows of the old covenant? Going around that mountain. They should have marched right through that desert and been done with it. But remember the ten spies and their negative report? We're going to end up eating all of our words one day. We might as well make them sweet. We are framing our lives and our futures by our words. Your faith is speaking. As you go, what's it saying? If you're wondering how to be obedient to God, just you need to get in the Word. But what I tell a lot of people, because a lot of times they tell me, I can't hear anything. He hasn't told me anything. What's the last thing he told you? That is almost always helpful. What's the last thing? If you haven't heard him for a while... And you've been trying to hear him. What's the last thing he told you? He doesn't like to repeat himself. It might be a little thing. Some, most of the time it's a little thing. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. We're always looking for God in the earthquake. And in the, the huge things. But remember how he came after all that ruckus? In the gentle whisper, Remember? And then be still and know that he's God. What does that scripture tell you? Be still and know. The knowing, the revelation of God always comes after stillness before God. If you're not giving God the first fruits of you, then you're missing out. He should be the first one you address in the morning. Before you look at the emails, before you look at Facebook, talk to God. Put your Bible where your coffee cup is. Just, just see what he has to say. Just thank him for a minute before you go on. Just ask for his leading and guiding and let him know that you know he's the boss. And you don't want to, you know... I, I, I do things, I tell him sometimes, I'm not doing anything else until I hear from you. <laughs> you know, we are his children and sometimes we, you know, you know, I heard a preacher one time, had a 
500 people sitting there. And he started blasting people for calling God daddy and making fun of them and that. And I wanted to go up there and just knock him off that pulpit. Because that's exactly how we need to act about our God. Our Father, we have a Father in Heaven that loves us. You may not have known one in this life. I didn't. But we have one in Heaven who really, really does love us. He will stop in His tracks when you run right into His throne room, no matter what kind of meeting is going on. You know? That is available to you because of Jesus. It wasn't available in the Old Testament, remember? One priest, one time a year, with a rope around his leg in case they had to drag him out dead because of some height in his life. But now, because of Jesus, God sees everything differently. Don't get stuck on four. <laughs> Who was I talking to about that recently? Oh, Miss Cheryl, I think. We get stuck on four sometimes. Father, Son, Holy Ghost, creation, into the creation, corruption entered, right? Through sin. And because of that, everyone's walking around condemned. Because of that sin, looking back, what might have been, oh, I did this, somebody did this to me. Don't get stuck on four because the five has come. Redemption. Jesus, the grace of God has come and now all the things you have done and have been done to you, those things do not identify you any longer. If you are a child of God, you need to let it go. Leave it all behind. Come to the well. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Jesus said, you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father give good things to you? That was Matthew 7.11. But he said the same thing in Luke 11.3, and he said it this way, you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in Heaven give the Holy Spirit to you? Everything good comes with that horn of oil. You need to be filled. You need to ask He said to those who ask him, ask him to fill you with the Holy Ghost. Ask me to help you. If you need that, if you do not have that, you need it. And then go. Just like he told Samuel, go, go on to the next thing. If you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. I got so many things going in my life. I know my wife looks at me sometimes like, what else are you going to do? But you know, God has done that to me. He gave me a song on, on, on uh, Thanksgiving night, 2009. I sat down, I wrote it out without even stopping. My Lord Jesus. And it just talks about the fact that he's, he's done it all for me. And now he's teaching me to dream. He's talking to me. He's walking with me and he's teaching me to dream and and that's what he wants us to do he wants us to to live he wants us to to have great success in everything that we do but not in what we decide to do what he tells us to do 
Most people are doing what they want to do and then they go back and pray and ask him to bless it. You see, instead of waiting on the Lord, being still and knowing that he is God, finding out what he has, hearing his next instruction for you. Now, if you just think you know, then head in that direction. He'll make the course correction. As long as you're acting in faith, this is what I, best, best I can tell, this is what God's telling me. Go that direction. He's not going to shame you for it. He's not going to hold it against you. He will help you with the course corrections. Because you're still in faith, you see. Rebellion is when you go in the opposite direction, claiming that it's what God said, but you know it's not. You know it's not what he told you to do. Amen? Praise God. Father, thank you for this precious word. We thank you for your love, for teaching us and guiding us. Help us to walk in obedient faith to you, Lord. Not being presumptuous, thinking we're smarter than you. Help us to be still before you and know that you are God. Give us that revelation knowledge. I ask that for everyone who hears this message and everyone who's here today. Fill them with revelation knowledge of your love for them, your purpose for their lives, and the power and authority that you've given them through Jesus Christ to accomplish it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.